What's up, everybody? On this episode of the Boston Ski Party, we are joined by Dan Egan. Dan is a world-renowned skier and pioneer of the sport. Over his career, Dan has appeared in 13 Warren Miller ski films and has skied in just about any part of the world you can think of. The main reason we wanted to have Dan on is to discuss the recent announcement that for the first time in 74 years, Warren Miller Entertainment will not be shooting a new film and instead will be repurposing archival footage for their annual release. As I just mentioned, Dan has skied and starred in some iconic Warren Miller films. He spent years working for the company and was a close personal friend of Warren Miller himself. So it was great to sit down and get his perspective on the current state of things. Enjoy the show. Holler. Is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It's cheap, too. Before we started recording, um, what we were out there just just talking. Now, you know, we're doing a little bit of ski monster history for you because we're you know we're just chopping it up. And and you had mentioned because I I think it's it's really interesting. But like we're talking about the Boston ski landscape and yeah. retail in general, you know, in this area and like how kind of crazy it went from essentially being like this mega place with all these stores and specifically to what you said, like this, this like ski, uh, uh, ski, ski market kind of stronghold. Right. Yeah. And how everyone in our business, like for the most part, it feels like has some connection to that. And then you were like, I worked there when I was 14, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. And then going from, from, from being 14 year old working in, uh, you said Braintree, the Braintree yeah, location. Braintree, yeah. And then you're, then you're doing all their wind stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's like so many people that we just converse with at brands or whatever, like have like this weird, like, oh, I, I you, you talk to them about ski market and they're like, oh, I, I worked at the one in, in, you know, in, in, in Nashua or, yeah. or, or, or in the Com South Ave shore or, or, or Com yeah. Ave. And you're like, man, it's, it's crazy. All these years have gone by and still people have ski market stories. Oh, I mean, it's legendary from my whole books about that network and yeah. how that network supported my entire career. Mm-hmm. You know, all when I was 14 and went to all those clinics, you know, because I could drink beer, yeah. right? That's why I went, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? A <laughs> couple slices of cheese pizza, a couple of PBRs. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, learn about equipment. But those reps went on to be marketing directors, right. sale directors. Mm -hmm. By the time I make my first video, they're like, yeah, Boston boy, go. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how it went. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I mean, similarly, you know, when you're asking us, just like a quick, like, Hey man, like this, you know, this cool location. Like, and you know, you'd start to backpedal a little bit. And it's like, yeah, similar. I was what 19 in college at the time, like same kind of deal. Like you're at a ski shop. You're like, Oh, this is my job. People show up with food and like yeah. you're drinking beers, talking product. You're like, man, we should keep this going. Like, this is pretty cool. Like, I don't want to get a regular job. Like right. I want to talk about ski boots and like have some guy just bring me free beers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> going to pay me to do this. Exactly. Which is, which is really sweet. And then, you know, um, we started again, at the sake of repeating myself, but we started Ski Monster before, you know, Ski Monster Boston, which you were asking about. And I, and I was like, yeah, we, we basically made a deal to start selling equipment on the internet um, with a retail partner that we had at the time. And we were going to kind of balance bones things. And that's kind of how SkiMonster.com was born. And to your rebuttal, you, you dropped some knowledge on me, which I didn't know, which was you started the first yeah. online retailer. The first online retailer we were SkierShop.com. And we put all of Woody's uh, inventory online mm -hmm. um, at Ken Jones. Mm -hmm. And my first client was Stuart Rempel from K2. Okay. I get this email. Hey, I want to buy 100 pairs of K2. Oh, jeez. 
Egan, call me, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, Stuart Rebel, right? And I call him. He's like, how the hell did you get my product online? Because back then, nobody was doing it. It was still everybody talking brick and mortar. It was yep. revolution. Like, this was way out there. And uh, I'm like, well, it's you, you sold it to Woody Jones. You know, we, we have it. And we, we, we're just Ken Jones online. Yeah. And he was like, what? And it was an issue, you know, it was an issue. But that's where we broke through. And I'm sure you did with other brands, you know, Stokely and mm-hmm. some of the smaller brands loved it. Um, and eventually Skier Shop would go on to have its own location in Stowe. Right. Um, and that's a whole nother story. But um, yeah, I, you know, that was all my relationships that started that company and, and laid out the whole online thing. When those guys originally called me, they wanted to do a coffee shop and a ski shop. I said, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Probably would have been better. But uh, I said, no, man, we should go online. There's this new thing, the internet. Yeah, that's going to work. It's going to work. That that was like 1997, 98. Wow. Uh, I bet we were online by 2000. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's early on. Yeah. And then, then, um, you know, Evo started. Backcountry started and John Swartzky started. He had, I can't remember the name of his shop, but yeah, there was some competition after us that came fairly quick. And then, you know, what they did at Evo really showed everybody what they were able to talk, I think, more than anybody else, the industry on to going online. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's a you know a lot of ins and outs to that for sure. But yeah. but they definitely did yeah. did a great job with that. Uh, like to, we have a similar story, you know, to have you know, someone calling you being like, "How the hell did you get that?" Yeah. So we were at um, our first retail partnership at the time, and uh, you know, we we I got my phone rang, and at the time, George and I had a it was a Skype number. So like you went to, you went to Ski Monster, and you're like, <laughs> it looks oh that could give us a call, and so and so the Skype number would forward it to our cell phones. And if both of our cell phones rang, and at the time you weren't getting these robo calls, so if it was a number you didn't know, you're like, "Oh, it's a ski monster call." So you'd you'd answer, you're like, "Hello, ski monster," you know, and I'm just like in my room, like in my apartment, you know. So that's so stupid, but like that's what we did. And and so I answered, and some guy was like, "You sell vocal skis?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. What are you looking for?" And um, George is originally from Minnesota, and so we had started, we incorporated the company in Minnesota. We had lived there for a year before we came back. So our address and the everything was based out of out of Minnesota. So the guy's like, he's like, how the hell do you have vocal skis? I'm like, oh, what do you mean? Like we buy vocal skis from, you know, from the vendor and we sell them on the internet. He's like, well, I'm the vocal skis rep out of the Midwest and you're based in Minnesota. And I didn't fucking sell you shit. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want my commission. Right, right, right. Like, and he's like, at the time you're like, uh, okay, zippy doo dah, like bye. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong number. Phone. Yeah. And then the, I, I remember vividly because I ran out of my room and George and I were roommates at the time. We lived together for an uncomfortable amount of time. And so I ran out of my room and the phone rang again. It was him. And I see George. He's like, Did you answer? I'm like, don't answer it. <laughs> don't answer the phone. He's like, what is it? I'm like, it's a, it's a ski monster call, but it's the Midwest rep from Vocal. And he mad. I don't know what we're supposed to say. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what we, what we do say, you know? And I'm like, I don't, I don't need So a similar story. Yeah. Like how, how the hell are you getting that? Because yeah. I, I didn't sell it to you, you know? Yeah. And that was pre like kind of wild westy stuff, right? Yeah. We were, we were essentially just made a deal with a retailer, you know, to sell yeah. the vocal skis. I and, mean, when you, when you think of ski market being the biggest retailer in the country with 21 locations mm-hmm. and basically no website, right? right. Like that crazy. was unbelievable, crazy. like crazy. crazy. And, yep. and really, you know, no interest in this at all like they were so loyal to the industry 
that they missed the tidal wave that was coming to their own detriment. Yeah. And if anybody could have done it, it would have been the ski market. They had all the relationships. They yeah. had all the leverage. They had the biggest open to buy. And they were blind to it, like to a fault. Yeah. I mean, we, we have talked about that internally a lot over the years. You know, yeah. just the void that that, that company going away has, has left in, in this particular part of the country for ski retail, number one. And, and obviously, the second thing, to your point, you know, we, we've always been like, not only do they have, they already had all the infrastructure. They had all the bars in place. They had all the relationships with the vendors, right? Warehouses. They had the warehouse. They had, they had the Boston Ski Show, which at the time was humming, right? Huge. Huge show. And it's like all they had to do was just invest in making a really awesome online shopping experience. And, you know, I don't want to say Ski, market, ski Monster wouldn't be here, but it would have been a hell of a lot harder <laughs> for us to be in the Boston Marketplace yeah. if they would have done that, you know? And when you think about that entrenched thinking, like you have to worry about that every day in your own business because that's a great example of entrenched thinking and how people who were experts and the best in the business were a victim of their own entrenched thinking. Yep. And I see that in so many places in the ski industry. This is how we do it. This is the way it's done. Uh, and, you know, it, when you start to think about entrenched thinking and how it traps you into your own thoughts and your own ways – it's a constant battle in business. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And you see it across all industries. But I mean, in our little world, um, you know, I, I'm getting older now. You know, I'm, I'm 38 this week. So I, <laughs> I feel older. Yeah, thank oh you. Oh, my God. But, but I, I feel like, you know, when I first started, like you did too. Like, you yeah. know, you're a young, you're a young guy. You know, yeah. and it's like all these retailers are, are aging out. And George and I are like, you know, 23, 24, 25. Um, and you see how all these people kind of like do it. And it's the same. And it's like the same way of thinking. And you're That's like, right. man, like if we could just do it a little bit better or if we could just work a little bit harder or just change the way ski retail is looked at, you know, and then we come up with this and you're like, yeah, you, you can, you can do it if you just get out of your own way a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while to turn the, to turn it the takes tide, a little while. you know, it takes yeah. a while to get the, the, the consumer. Mm -hmm. um, but these days, you know, I think the consumer really is more than ever open to this because of the way they shop. Yep. Uh, everything's by appointment. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that you would be retail by appointment and it almost makes it a, a better experience. Right. And it, it, for a sales target for you, I imagine what's the percentage do you have on closing those appointments? Like 99%. That's sick. You know, yep. you wouldn't have that on an open Saturday. No. Well, well, no. And you know, like, again, like we were talking about earlier, it's like the biggest thing for us was qualifying people and, yeah. and any, and you know, we worked ski retail our whole adult lives at this point and we did it before appointment only. Right. And the biggest thing is like, you have to be available to make a sale, but you also have to qualify the customer on like what that sale is going to be. Right. If 10 people walk in at the same time. You have no idea what they want to look for. Right. Now, you know, you know exactly what they're here for. You know, it's like, Hey Dan, I'm Eric. Nice to meet you. So you're here for some new skis today. What, you know? Yeah. Like, what's the reason for new skis? For the family. Right, exactly. <laughs> Versus, like, you walk in, and it's like, can I can I give you a hand with something? When you shop, and you're like, you know, we're just looking. Yeah. And then you get, then now I'm lurking on you, like Bob's Discount Furniture. Like, right. is he going to need some help? Is he not going to need some help? So it changes the whole dynamic. Yeah. To, to, in my particular opinion, I think most that it, it's just better customer experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of selling skis, you you ski on Alans, right? Absolutely, yeah, cool. yeah. Because I know yeah. I, Garrett was saying that, and I think we were talking to Fresco um, yep. this past year, and he's nice. like, "Yeah, no, Danny, yeah, Danny can still ski on Alans." Yeah, um, they keep me around the old timer. You know, that's uh, somebody says, "Hey, you're you're not on the website." 
I'm like, dude, I'm 60. <laughs> they don't put six-year-olds. There's a website. <laughs> former extreme skiers on their websites. Well, you know? only one. Yeah, well, just Plake. Right. But, I yeah. mean, that's a, he's another deal, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a different stratosphere. And, yeah. you know, Glenn's awesome. Uh, but, you know, you have to, as an aging athlete, and at this point it's even funny to say that because I'm that old. Uh, yeah, those things happen, you know. And what's really been interesting for me is my career has been so long that so many of these kids in in the industry, they have no idea. Yeah. Like, will you send me your competition schedule? I'm like, Bro. <laughs> you know, like no. <laughs> What's your Insta? I'm like, no. You're like, it's another thing what I'm doing. Right. And it's a, it, it looks, you know, it's just not what's happening out there for their normal conversation. So it's been interesting to survive that. Yeah. Uh, in, in particularly in manufacturing and in the resort side. Yeah. What, what are they even sending you? Like, what have you been skiing on? Well, I love, you know, the ripstick's awesome. You know, I have yeah. a whole quiver of that. And, uh, you know, I've, I, keep, I keep a whole full set in Europe, full set in Montana, full set here in the East, and I just travel to wherever my skis are. That's so, awesome. uh, you know, the 116s, I only keep those in Europe because uh, that's where you need the space. Um, to let that thing is fly. that why it didn't snow there this year? Well, you, had the ones you know, I was telling there. Garrett, they, anybody <laughs> did it, did, they went to the wrong spots. You know, we had great snow, uh, yeah. but they, in all of April it snowed. Okay, uh, where are you in Europe? When you uh, go Val d'Isere okay. mainly, yeah, yeah. Um, How many days in Europe did you get this? Winter? I was nine weeks in Europe. Holy smokes, nine yeah. weeks, yeah. That's a Sorry. lot of espresso. Yeah, that's a lot. Forgot espresso. you don't count the days. Yeah, I don't count the days, <laughs> just the weeks. The weeks, <laughs> just the weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, um, and maybe you had a long time ago. I'm not sure, but because we just had a good experience there, because we were just there. But have you been, have you been to the Elan uh, setup HQ? The, oh, the, the you know, I, you know, I I I was in Slovenia when it was Yugoslavia. Okay, so uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we we were filming for Warren in 1991 in Yugoslavia. It was about 60 days before the civil war was going to break out, mm. and we were skiing with a, a member of the Yugoslavian demo team. And he took us to the factory, and we saw the first ever shape ski. It was the SEX, right? Yeah. And we had never seen anything like it. And, you know, it was like a really big spatula, right? It was crazy shaped. And, of course, being cocky kids, we laughed. Right. We're like, yeah, maybe in Yugoslavia. <laughs> it's never <laughs> going to work. It's never going to catch on, you know. Yeah. And, but, again, entrenched thinking, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and then, boom, I was just uh, interviewing Les Otten for my own podcast recently, and he talked about, you know, taking that ski and how they taught differently on that ski, and they went from t ski teaching to ski coaching, and the whole experience of having a coach and a demo center, and that changed everybody's world. Yeah. And literally, like, you know, in my first book, All Terrain Skiing, I don't mention shape skis. Like, talk about blowing it, right? <laughs> they, they, it was like the biggest thing in the market the day my book hit. And it was like, yeah, I missed that train. It's never going to work. Completely. <laughs> never going to work. I was completely right about that. Just like twin tips, right? Exactly. Yeah, twin tips, exactly. You don't, I don't, need, two, you don't ski need two backwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, that's when I, the first time I met Jason Leventhal was at the uh, trade show in Stratton. And he cut line to ride up the chairlift with me. He, like, scooped in and sat down on the quad. Nice. And uh, he goes, hey, Mr. Egan, my name's Jason, and all this sort of stuff. He introduced himself. And I looked down. I go, those are funny skis. And he, it was the first pair of ski blades. 
He's like, yeah, I just invented them. And me and my buddy, Mike Nick, you know, we do tricks <laughs> and we grind stuff and everything. He's just yapping the whole way up. And can we get them in the movies? I was like, I, I don't think so. You know? <laughs> like, I, I, I doubt it, you know. <laughs> and, uh, we get off They're like the, half the size. It's yeah. like, what are you going to do on that thing? And we get off the lift. He goes, it's funny. I go, what's funny, kid? He goes, you don't get it. And I go, I don't get what? He goes, one day we're going to do what you do, but backwards. I was like, what? And I remember calling Jason the first time I saw somebody go off a cliff backwards. I was like, dude, son of a bitch. How yeah. did you see that? Like, you know, what he saw so far ahead of everybody mm -hmm. was, was really mind boggling. And he went and he sold 2,500 pairs of his line skis, ski blades yeah. to the Japanese. That was his first sale. And he called me after that. He goes, will you help me now? I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know. <laughs> but when you're talking about online, he's the first guy to go online. Yeah. He skipped the whole ski rep. He went, skipped the retail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, I, you know, listen, Jason Leventhal is the, the Jake Burton of skiing. There's no doubt about it. He's the man. Yeah. He, he's the man. Um, we, we ski with him this year, um, which, was, which was really fun. We went up to his new spot. Nice. Which is is really sick yeah like really I, I mean i went into it being like oh this is gonna be cool you know but like you know some part of me is like yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be like a, you know it's gonna be what it is and then you go you're like holy shit jay like yeah. you crushed this yeah yeah, yeah. like er, like no detail every like the, the way how he has like that big wall of skis it's yeah. like with a hidden door like the whole thing it was like a he crushed it it's just, really just a spot to have a little bit of community which was which was yeah. his goal you know like right. growing up going to skate shops and stuff and hanging yeah. out and watching mm -hmm. movies and stuff. I mean, yeah. that's, he's created that yeah. along with a ski shop and a bar and, yeah. you know, a, and an art gallery. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a really cool spot. And it, it actually kind of funny because, you know, we we're talking about the ski market thing, but I feel like a lot of people, you know, myself included like with line anyways. And I think same thing with Berkowitz, you know, trying to get sponsored back in the day, you know, we told that story before, <laughs> but, but <laughs> Berkowitz would try to try to get, he was like sending stuff to Jay and then Jay just called him. He's like, dude, I can't sponsor you. You're, you're just a hucker. <laughs> you don't Still grab, have the email. Dude. Still have the email. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, keep that. Yeah. Print that. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you don't grab. You're just hucking, dude. <laughs> yeah. You're such a hucker, dude. <laughs> but I, I guess my, my, what I'm trying to say is that like, Similar with like kind of ski market here, like everybody has some kind of story that connects them to, to Jay or, or, yeah. or line or yeah. ski blades or whatever, because it's, it was such a game changer Yeah, and how it really trained, it, it changed like for me. It was like the line profit 90. Yeah. Like that was the biggest, you know, ski for me. That's like, Oh, it's wider than 76. Right. And it's twin tipped, has some metal wood. And now every ski is like kind of built off that yeah. idea, you yeah. know? And that, that was at the time you're like, holy shit, that thing is humongous, yeah. you know? But now you're like, you could look at a lot of skis and you're like that, you know, the line profit 90 is like kind of the benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. Jason goes, uh, when are you going to stop skiing on straight skis? I'm like, dude, I'm on 88. He's like, that's a narrow ski. I'm like, that's the biggest thing I've ever seen. You know, it's crazy. Uh, he, he pulled up the day we were skiing and I, I think I've told the story of, I don't care. It's fun. It's fun. It's funny. We pull up and he's like waiting for us at Stowe and he's got some skis on the snow and it's me, Berkowitz and George. And, and, uh, he's like, I can't believe this. And Matt's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I can't believe I'm doing a fucking demo day with a retailer. <laughs> with a retailer. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, no, no, it's not. We're just hanging out. He's like, no, no, I, just, I know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I know what this is. The lowest point of my life. I never wanted to do this. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. And he's, they're lugging skis up the hill. He's like yep. dragging them. He's like, this is, I thought I got out of this. <laughs> going direct to the customer, skipping you guys. Exactly. You know? yep. what, I don't want to be nice to you people. I want to go skiing. <laughs> but we had a great day. Okay. Oh, yeah. We, oh, day. no. We, yeah, I'm just yeah. messing yeah. with you. We, we had yeah. so much fun. We had so yeah. much fun.
I mean, he's just a fun guy to be around. I mean, he's a genius. And he is. He's a genius. Genius. And, and you're just, you know, skiing on his skis for the first time. I think it was like out at Powder Week and yep. then kind of like demoing them as they've gotten better and better. And he's changed the way uh, he's, everything is about the skis have just gotten better. And they were good to start. Yeah. Um, and to hear like you know, how many he's doing online direct, it's just, is is awesome. And, and I said to him, and I, I think we all kind of did, we're like, dude, just, and we're just one store, obviously, in this one city in the whole country. And like the amount of J's, like if, if you weren't selling J skis, we would sell like another big slug of skis to these people. Right. But you're, you know, cause they come in to get it mounted. Yeah. So you see, yeah, you know how many are coming through just one location. Right. Yeah. So you see, you're like, holy shit. Like how many people are bringing these skis in yeah. like every single weekend and, yeah. and they're buying a binding from it, which is great. I'm stoked for Jay, but it's just, it's kind of wild. Like where they would be buying skis most likely, you know, whether it's local or if they'd buy another brand for sure. Right. Right. And that's another example of uh, how he broke through entrenched thinking, you know, and how he manages inventory and how he looks at it. It's a whole different philosophy than, and he's been looking at it from the early days of line. Right. This mm -hmm. is not new to him. You know, he saw what the big companies were doing, how they were mishandling inventory, yep. mishandling manufacturing and all that. And he's been, you know, I just think how he bro he broke so many different ways of thinking in the ski industry over the two, three decades he's been doing it. It's uh, unbelievable. I mean, every, every time he came up with a new idea, everyone told him it's not going to work. That's right. Every time. Every time. Um, you know, and, and he and he just he just said, F you, like, it's going to work. Yeah. And except for the binding, but yeah. Except for the binding. <laughs> He's, I still the, binding. Hold, well, the Velcro binding was a good idea. He had me on that. On, yeah. Uh, he had a lot of people. Great video. Uh, but that's Jay, right? Yeah. Beautiful. That's an, And that's another, just like you said, I mean, really breaking that way of, of marketing in, in the ski industry. I mean, he's done it differently and it's, it, it sticks out and people like it and it's, it's funny. Yeah. You know, I mean, he comes up with something great, you know, multiple times a year to be he honest. Does. Does. Um, and again, it's, it's stuff that stops people that we've seen that stuff a million times. And you're like, wait, is, is this for real? <laughs> Especially if you know, Jay, you know, those things that he's come up with over the years and you're like, well, shit, this actually, this might be real for him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm, I mean, just that one day alone, I, I think we came up with like at least like six or seven, like really goofy, wacky ideas. Yeah. You know, and, and like, you know, just like talking on a chairlift or whatever. And you're like, that actually might work. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and, and, then, and then we laughed and we're like, he's definitely going to bring one of those to market. Yeah. Like, ah, damn it. <laughs> what was it? What was the patch we, we came up with? Um, I saw the sun at Stowe today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. see the sun at Stowe yeah. in the wintertime, you, you get out at the end of the day, they give you a patch. Give you a patch. <laughs> yep. yep. And then he started talking about it. I'm like, he might actually, that, he, yeah. that, could, that could go viral. Yep. He could do that. You know? Yep. I, I want to go back real quick to Slovenia because you said something that's yep. really interesting. Um, Cause we, we went there, same idea. Super cool. Right. Factory tour, the whole thing. But now they have a, a really, really well done museum. Mm-hmm like ski of history museum for Elan. And I'm sure, you know, some of those skis that you saw, you know, when you were kind of like laughing, you know, are th like, they're there yeah. and they have like, it's really cool how they have it, have it laid out. They, they have almost like every single year and how they, you know, from the position of the company Amazing. to like where we are yeah. and like, you can see the progress. It's, it, it's really well done. Cool. It's really well done. And, um, they talk a lot about, you know, the Nazis because like they, build skis to fight the Nazis. And then they talk about the revolution and the, 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 you know, becoming Slovenia. So you were there, you yeah. mentioned that, like you said, 60 days prior, like a couple yeah. months before yeah. the actual, like, could you, 
what was the, could you feel the vibe? Would like, everyone know like this was going down? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, the first place that got uh, blown up in that civil war was a ski area. Oh, no because way. it had a, uh, communication towers on top. We had just skied there. Wow. Um, and it was a fascinating time to be there. But, you know, Slovenia basically controlled 75% of the economy of Yugoslavia. So they laughed at the war. They were like, we're just taking our chips and <laughs> yeah. doing our own thing. And yeah. I, I think that for, for that region, Slovenia, it was the shortest part of the Civil War. Um, you know, they, they think of, they're Europeans, you know, the Julian Alps and, and mm-hmm. everything. And they're right on the border of Austria. So, yeah, we definitely felt it. And, we, you know, we were part of that, you know. Yeah. Um, as we were with so many other war-torn areas, it was fascinating to be there. Um, but, uh, the, there was a woman, uh, who was the first female member of the North face extreme team and Alinka was Yugoslavian. That's why we went, ah, Got uh, it. and we stayed with her parents and, and all that. Very so, cool. yeah. And I just, uh, just the other day, you know, this winter bumped into her, her, one of her sons. So, oh, that's sweet. And I have pitch. I, I'm like, dude, I have pictures of your grandfather when he, you know, was, you know, in his 70s out hiking me. That's cool. You know, up the couloirs and stuff. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like your career, too, at least from a kid watching Warren Miller movies, like you were often traveling to places that were, you know, in political Following strife. the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. Um, and w- was that, is that something that was planned? Did it just work out that way? Was that? Yeah, it was definitely a, a, a pretty... You know, it was one, it was an amazing time, right? With the fall of the Cold War. Like, yeah. If you had grown up as a Cold War kid, uh, you know, with the threat of nuclear war, constant and fallout shelters and all those sort of things that we grew up with. Yeah. The fact that that was going to change blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the fall of the Berlin Wall, I was fascinated with. And... And when we, we were we were living in Val d'Isere, squatting in a studio apartment with seven people, oh, okay, from five different countries, and one w- and with Tom Day and his wife and little okay. Danny Day was three years old. We okay. were all living in a studio apartment, Jeez-em. and the the owner of the apartment said, uh, "Hey, you guys got to get out. It's, uh, the French holidays are coming, and so we had no place to go. So we went to the bar and." Uh, <laughs> Ewing Guinness, uh, the grandson of the Guinness company, he had okay. just lost his license. Another time, you know. <laughs> and I said to John, I go, you know, I don't think Ewing's going to use his van. He goes, oh, right. He goes, so he runs over to Ewing and he, you know, sometime during the night, John shows back up and he's dangling the keys to Ewing's van. I go, did we buy a van? He goes, nope, test drive. <laughs> so we loaded everybody in the apartment the swedish mogul uh, champion lata and the the english guy and the canadian and tom and lizzie and the baby nice and they go where are we going i said berlin wall we're going to the berlin wall wow and we, the the van had no registration no license plate, <laughs> no insurance. Yeah. And we were loaded up and we just pointed it. We went through Chamonix, uh, picked up some gear. And it's a long drive, by the way, to I'm the Berlin sure. Wall. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when we got to East Berlin, we got fleeced by the guards. 
they're like papers. We're like, we don't have papers. You know, the, the guy's looking in. It's all, it, there's a kid in diapers right. and ski yeah. equipment, yeah. people wrapped around their sleeping bags and their skis. And uh, I, so we bribed him and the guy let us through. Nice. And uh, Tom Day's filming all that, yeah. of course, out the back. And so that dude, he called his friends. So they pulled us over every 10 oh, kilometers oh. and did the same routine. Paper, no papers, like how much, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. And, uh, yeah, we jumped off the Berlin Wall. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, we were really standing at the intersection of extreme sports and current culture yeah. in a way we couldn't have had imagined. Yeah. You know, those photos of us coming off the wall, they went viral before viral was even a right. thing. I mean, they yeah. that went to newspapers. There were... That was such an odd sight. There's no snow. Right. We landed in a mud puddle. Right. Like, but that still image really was like, what's going on here? And the reaction that I saw from that was like, and Warren freaked out. Warren's like, yeah, that's what we want. Yeah. You know, he, he loved it. So that's kind of what stirred the whole thing. Like, we should do it again. Because Warren would just say, where are you going next? We're like, oh, we'll go to Russia. Yeah. You know, it was still Yugoslavia. Right. It was still USSR. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the only thing the Russians knew about the West was MTV and CNN. Right. That was it. Right. Um, so when we show up as a film crew, we're like, Hollywood? Hollywood. Like, yeah, Hollywood. You right. Know? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, so that sort of reception and conversation around a changing world was so exciting. So was that... Did Warren give you guys kind of the freedom to say, hey, we want to go do something in, in Russia? Or was he like, hey, you guys, here's the plan? Well, we were the first, we're the only uh, skiers to own our own footage in Warren Miller Films. Oh, okay. So uh, I would pitch Warren. Okay. And uh, he and I would come to our contract. He guaranteed me so many minutes in his film. Okay. Uh, and I had rights to all the other footage. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's how I launched all my own videos okay. and my TV show was yep. on the extra footage. So, you know, he would always go over his guarantee. You know, if he promised me six, seven minutes, he'd use 10, you know, yep. when you counted the opening montage, the closing montage and, you know, the jokes and, yep. you know, the guys shining our ski boots and all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, Warren encouraged that. You know, the thing, what I, what's interesting, again, going back to this idea of entrenched thinking, Warren was the sort of guy that people were afraid of. So not a lot of people asked Warren questions. Right. They were like, yes, Warren, no Warren. But I was like curious with Warren. So when I asked him a question, he considered it. When I said, Warren, could we, could we own our footage in your movie? He's like, how would that work? Nobody's ever asked. Nobody's asked. <laughs> right, right. You know, and he, yes, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, how would it work? And I said, well, what if you did this and I did that? And, you know, and he loved that. You know, I had, one, I had enough balls to ask him. Right. And two, he, he would encourage it. That's how we got to know each other so well. He, yeah. he flew me down to uh, Portillo, 1989, the summer of 89. And I had heard that if you show up in Hermosa Beach at the office, they'll let you drive the Audi. So I was like, <laughs> I'm driving the Audi around the beach. You know, this could be sick. Yeah. So I show up a few days early. He goes, Egan, you're early. I got my, I'm like, here comes, <laughs> here comes the keys, you know? Yeah. He goes, uh, make yourself useful. Sweep the floor, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I go, where? He goes, in the editing room. So, I, you know, it's all 16 mil all over right. the floor. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, have, I, I go, Warren, what, what do you want me to do with this? He goes, make a movie out of it. You're the first kid to sweep the floor. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so I took him seriously. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's how I made my first movie. Okay. And he, he said, now let's work on your narration. When I showed him the movie, he's like, okay, well, this is how, how are you going to narrate it? I'm like, ah, you know. And so I, would, I became his front guy, and I would go to every major city two weeks ahead of the Warren Miller tour with this little film. And that eventually became my film. Yep. And I narrated live. I'm still, I think, the only guy left to narrate live. Um, and all that I learned from Warren. That's wow. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It was, you know, it's that sort of thing where, like, I'd show up in Park City, one person shows, right? I yeah. got, and uh, I call, I'd, every, every night I'd call Warren. i go, Warren, how'd, how'd the night go? I go, not good, Warren. One person. Oh, good job. Yeah. I go, the screen fell over. He goes, yeah, you know. <laughs> he goes, did, did the guy buy you dinner? I go, yeah. He goes, you had a great night. <laughs> what the hell are you complaining about, you know? That's, that's the way it was, you know? Yeah. 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 That's crazy. But, I mean, it's, you got to get reps, you know? Yeah. How else would you get reps? That's it. Right? So, you know, you, he shows you a little bit, and then you're like, all right, I, I, can, I can do that. Yeah. Right? Or, else, or else what? Yeah. You're, right. you're, you're going to get a job. Play to yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you know, and, and, you know, back to Boston, when I called the Boston Ski Show and, you know, Ski Market's the retailer and I, you know, knew Mike and I knew, you know, Leek and everybody. Mm -hmm. And Bernie's like, well, are they selling your movies? I'm like, yeah, they're selling our movies. Like, I'll give you the theater. So next thing, you know, Bernie Weissel gives me the theater in, in Baltimore, in Boston, oh, wow. in yeah. Philadelphia, in Seattle, in Denver. And I, all of a sudden, I have the theater. Not Greg Stump. Right. Not Warren Miller. It's a Dan Egan theater. Yeah. And the movie I started making with Warren, that's what I showed. And that's how I held the theaters for all those years yeah. and worked with Bernie. And, and you were live narrating I was those? live narrating that's all wild. those shows. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. And, and you got more than one person to show up for those. We got more than one person. <laughs> yeah, the narration would change all the time. You know, you just check out different jokes. I mean... You know, Warren had three jokes that he told during his montage. And based on those jokes, he would change the narration for the entire movie. He would see what crowd's there tonight. Mm -hmm. Was it a family? Was it adventure? What were they after? Okay. He'd drop those jokes. And then with no script, he'd just go. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, just a, it's an art. Yeah. In a form of, of what you do, Garrett. I know. This is hitting close to home here. <laughs> It's like stand-up person comedy. showing up. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Seen that before. <laughs> well, you know, with all those things, you have to get over yourself like this is, and still perform. Yeah. You know, is it a great show because one showed up or because 100 showed up? Right. And that was Warren's message. Like, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Are you going to show up the same authentically every time? Does it matter how many people are there? Um, and it, to your point, how many people in the store, you're doing a better job with less. Right. So, you know, I think those are important things to get your head around. Absolutely. Thinking about the, the Boston ski show, cause you know, you, you doing that there and, and, and having these theaters, like talk about seeing it at its peak. Mm. I mean, it, oh. it, it was just yeah. madness there. Dude, I, it, I, mean, I mean, you must, it, it must've just been insane. Like, like the, the, the peak of ski, of ski market, you're doing your thing. Yeah. Like just. Thousands and thousands of people. You know, prior to, you know, you had, you had the hot dog movement, right, in the 70s. And, and those ski shows were massive. Uh, and then there's a lull. But when we show up in day glow and headbands and big hair and jumping off cliffs and the birth of the VCR. Yeah. Like, it came back. And, you know, we, John and I, we could not literally walk through the ski show. We were mobbed. Yeah. You know, our booth 
with, uh, you know, the Egan brother logo was designed by the designer for the Grateful Dead. Nice. And that designer had three clients, Jake Burton, Jerry Garcia, and the Egans. <laughs> okay. That's cool. And so all of our logo wear was totally cool, and it looked like the dead. And, and we would, she would embroider your jacket and do all that stuff right there at the show. So, you know, we had a cool thing to sell. We had our videos. We had T-shirts. Uh, and we had the theater. Mm-hmm. And outside the theater was Alan Schoenberger, who is the mime that dances on on the moving carpet. So he was doing a full theatrical show, <laughs> you know, and, he, you know, he called at the him, Boston ski show? at the Boston ski what? show, full on theatrics. And his whole thing was the as a skiing mime, he would push the ball up the hill and it kept rolling down. And well, the piano played and he would like he rode a unicycle on the moving carpet. He skied. He did ballet tricks. It was insane. And, you know, when they went from that show, they just walked into my theater and yeah. sat down. And it was crazy. Tough act to follow there with the mime. Oh, man. I mean, he, we just put him in the Hall of Fame. If, if you don't know, Aaron Schoen, Aaron, Alan Schoenberg, he's a genius. And he took, ski, he took that show to Off-Broadway. So he had his own show just wow. Off-Broadway for, for quite a while. So, you know, this idea of how do we move skiing beyond the resort? How do we move it into the masses? Yeah. How do we show it off? and grow it. And that's what the Boston ski show did forever. Um, you know, the London ski show was 15 days long back then. What? 15 days. Jesus. And it was full. We would be there. I had the theater at the London show. Uh, and it was a mob scene for 15 days. And you just couldn't believe it, the, the whole thing. And was there a retail aspect there oh, yeah. as well? Retailers okay. there and the yeah. whole bit. And you know, when, you know, we, today we think technology and phones and all this sort of stuff and, you know, you're selling online. You got to go back. The leading technology of the day was a VCR machine and right. a fax machine. Yeah. You know, this is just at the, you know, FedEx is just starting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you got to go all the way back and think about what a revolution that was. Um, the idea that skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding would go into your home and live in your shelves. Those cassette tapes sat around for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not in, Instagram's over and done with. It's a qu- quick thing. But our film sat in those ski condos forever. Yeah. I, I still have all my. Yeah. I was telling these guys <laughs> earlier. I was like, I still have yeah, yeah. at my parents' house a bunch of War Miller, you know, tapes playing yeah. the VCR. I was telling Eric one of my most memorable clips was. Uh, of you and your brother at Grand Targhee oh, yeah. when the cornice the breaks cornice off. Break. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing that I still have people come up and sing return of the shred. Eye to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and quote, you know, uh, the advance to the steeps and, uh, the double exposure film, yeah. uh, with Eric and Rob Delorier. And, yep. you know, the, the, the fact that the cornice break became the most viewed Warren Miller shot of all time yeah. is because of video, right? Um, that was without the internet, it took off. Um, and just outrageous. Well, just, just think about like, you bringing that up, like how many times you rewound it and watched it. Oh, God. It, yeah. Rewound it yeah. and yeah. watched it. And like that, that was hard. Well, not that it's hard, but a lot harder was, than it is yeah. now, right? Yeah. right? So you're like, oh, no, like let's watch that part again and yeah. again and again. And it's like now we just take it for granted because to your point, it's in and out and you're yeah. on something, you're on the next thing. And at the time, yeah. the only way to consume that was to like, like you're all in. Yeah. I, on, on like, man, like that was crazy. Or if we, if I want to 
get a video or I want to see what's new. I want to talk to somebody that, that is into what I'm into. You had to go to this. Like that would be the place where you could go. And there's, there was no other outlet. Yeah. And you know, think the North face film skiing extreme one. Okay. That was the first sport action sports video without narration. It was the first all music action video. Mm. Okay. I mean, that's like, that wasn't even a thing. And people were like, where's the narration? Like, that's how entrenched right. narration was. It was 22 minutes long. There were 21 falls. Okay. <laughs> and that was like Powder Magazine says, 21 crashes, 22 minutes. Yeah, yeah. You can't miss it, you know? Yeah. But, you know, Eric Perlman was like, yeah, we're going to do a movie with music. And we're like, what? Just music? He had classical music. He had, yeah. you know, cutting edge music. And and then you, then you see how we get the blizzard, right? Because Stump takes you know like the coolest music his voice his narration and he what he does is a mix of the two yeah so he's and if all his footage is slow-mo right so the slow-mo is pushing you back the music's moving you forward and greg's telling you a story you want to hear and now all of a sudden the kid's got a mohawk like what yeah you're listening to seal singing to your ear yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and 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 and, uh scotty taking a big crash and you still have it in your head. Yeah. I mean, it puts you in a trance. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It really does. It's the, yeah. it's the first time. Well, not now we're just used to it, but at the time it would be the first time where you're, you're literally watching all three of those components together. And then you just like, your brain is like melted. That's right. You're like, I can't, I can't look away. You can't like, look w- away. What's going to happen next? Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, we, when you break it down, I mean, really the skiing in blizzard wasn't all that good. It's not all that extreme. I mean, it is at the end in the last yeah. bit of Chamonix, but really it's a mogul skiing movie. Yeah. And, but the characters and the music and the location in the story, yeah. a blizzard of Oz. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the entrenchment. That's yeah. when you get really get hooked in. Yeah. And the character, I mean, obviously the characters in there with, with Hattrip and yeah. Blake. And I mean, that was, yeah. Still. So uh, we just put Mike Hattrip in the Hall of Fame. Yep. And did you see that? He, he walked in like Rocky, yeah, and he had his belt uh, and his daughter. And, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, it was a great scene. Yeah, he's amazing. Hatchup's an amazing human, amazing guy. Yeah. I, I'm I'm glad that you know that we, we kind of naturally went this way with ski movies because I that's I want what I want to ask you about because of you know what's happening now you know, yeah. especially like now that I know your deep uh, personal connection with with Warren like yeah. you know him kind of like giving you the 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 rope and be like hey man go ahead go make a movie you know <laughs> so. What do you think about what's happening now? Unfortunately, you know, after what seventy plus years, um, what's your perspective on that? Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an evolution, right? And uh, you know, I, I think, um, I think the new mo- the new movie is going to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's there's an archive there that is unbelievable. I, I think Warren Miller Entertainment and outside didn't foresee the PR that would happen if they didn't like they blew the announcement. Yeah. They could have totally handled it. And in my opinion, Chris, you know, I was like, what? I was pissed. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm an independent promoter. I, I have great locations. I have great shows. I don't want somebody pissing off the audience about these shows. Right. Uh, and you know, Chris was employed for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Like take your wine and go somewhere else. Like, to me, it was like, I'm sorry he lost his contract, but hit the perspective of that over the years, yep. a lot of us have lost our contracts. It's not the first guy to get let go right. from Warren Miller Entertainment. 
And I just thought that that was a bad start for what Warren wants to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw the I saw the crews out and about this year. So I don't think it's a total uh, archival film in the end of the day. Interesting. Um, you know, my perspective on the film tour was I'm not a fan of subscription. I understand subscription. I understand how subscriptions work. But I think outside sort of pirated a very special thing when they started including tickets with subscriptions to outside plus and you know that gets a little touchy right because think about this now there's been no surf movie no scape no other genre has done what ski's been able to do ski and snowboard Mm -hmm. for so long warren miller has nine top grossing document films on the all-time 20 top grossing list Mm. Nine. That's crazy. That's crazy. There's yeah. no other tour that compares. Warren Miller himself is the most prolific American filmmaker of all time in all genres. Nobody's made more films than Mr. Warren Miller. Right. So what we have here is something special which we should celebrate. The idea of going to a theater, eating popcorn, getting excited with your family, the generational ties that that film has provided for retailers, for ski areas, for skiers, yep. for all across the board. You know, it, one generation to another, it's been Warren Miller. Mm-hmm. No other brand's done it. TGR hasn't, nobody's done it. Mm-hmm. And uh, for an upset contractor to use social media, yep. I, I, I thought that I didn't think it was a classy move. Yeah. You know, what's, what's missing from that perspective is the seven other DPs that have gone before him. Right. Uh, the other generations of skiers from Stein Erickson forward that have come before him. Uh, look, I'm a huge fan of the current batch of skiers. I hang out with Marcus Gaston. I'm in awe of these guys. But we only get a turn at this thing. Right. We don't have long, you know, I'm not going to retire on my film rights, right? So, you know, there's going to be another batch. Somebody's going to jump a bigger cliff. Somebody's going to do a bigger flip. We've all seen it, and I, I, it's such a special thing, you know. Look, the tour is going to be back. It's going to be bigger than ever. Yep. Uh, a 75th anniversary movie two years from now is going to be great. Now, look, selfishly, I hope they use some of my stuff. <laughs> you know I mean? like, You're a ski movie star again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're bound to stumble into some Egan footage, yeah. right? So, like, okay, we get another shot. John, uh, myself... Uh, Scott and and Tom Day, we all shot in uh, Future Retro, which is the worst Warren Miller film of all time, <laughs> and came out during COVID, so nobody saw it, right? You know, um, and here we are, really the four guys. You know, we was amazing skiing with the, with those guys again, and for me, you know, at this age, watching Schmitty, I was still in awe. You know, he, I was a fan before I was a pro skier. And to sit around, watch him, him, you know, first run of the film shoot, he's hucking a cliff. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> Chill out, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> go around it, mate. Nobody cares, you know? But We'll, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that eventually. You know, yeah. Well, I, gotta, I gotta warm up. And, and of course, it's it's at the YC. It's his yeah, backyard. Yeah. It's his cliff. I'm like, okay, yeah. dude. Yeah. All right. But anyway, a million like, times. You know, but uh, but it was, I was in awe. I was like loving it. And, um, you know, I think the films do so much for so many. At all of the shows I do, you know, people still remember seeing Warren. They remember being in a school gym. 
people remember their first Warren Miller movie. It's like the first time we go to Fenway Park. Yeah. Um, so it's unfortunate for me, one, that maybe outside doesn't fully understand the impact of what they own and that they're, they're the owner of the legacy of. Um, but two, it was just a bad, it's a good example of bad PR. Like yeah. they should have, the minute they made that decision, they should have had a plan for telling all of us mm-hmm. what that plan would be. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because I mean, it, it is a bummer for sure. You know, I, I, the way I, I see it as someone that's worked in the ski business for, for as long as I have now, it's like when the new movies come out, it's, it's the start of a new year. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the start of a, another season, you know, and that season it's like, what are we going to accomplish this season? What do we want to ski? What are we going to ski on? You know, and from a business perspective, like, you know, it's, it's a new year. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to sell? Yeah. This is going to be fun. And those movies and same thing with the magazines, like it's such a huge part of that. Not only does it make you excited, but it just it's just from a tradition standpoint, it just it feels good. Yeah. When the new stuff when the yeah. new movies come out. You're, yeah. you're excited. Like yeah. you know, you're gonna go to the premiere, like you know, yeah. vendors are gonna come by, like whoever's sponsoring the movies, like, hey you guys, let's go out and get some beers and go yeah. to the movie. And you're like, Yeah, this is gr- this is awesome. Like it's yeah. the season again, you know? Yeah. And for them to kind of just like take that away, um, the way that they did is and, and also for them to take away certain magazine aspects of what they own as well is it's a huge bummer. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hard game to play. And I, <clears throat> I got fired by Warren Miller. <laughs> I was on, uh, was coming back from the vineyard, and I was on the ferry, and my phone rang. And at the time, I oversaw 21 cities for the tour. Chicago East, all those were my shows. And I did all the PR and ran all the athletes. And kid goes, uh, hey, Mr. Regan, I'm the intern at Warren Miller oh. Entertainment. And I'm like... Okay, intern, really? Okay. And uh, I'm supposed to tell you we're taking all your accounts in-house. I go, really? I go, you're the intern. I go, yeah. I go, where do you go to college? Oh, I go here and there. How long have you been an intern? Oh, two weeks. I said, dude, you're go- you're- you should get a raise. I said, you're going to go far in life. I'm like, I, I admire you, bro. You know, like, yeah. you don't know who I am. You're it's calling me up. It's you're, a hell of a call. You're kicking me out the door, and you did it pretty good. Yeah. You know, I said, uh, like, you know, props. You know, you should stay in touch with me, mate. You yeah. know, like, you're, you're, a, you're, you're a hard worker, you know? <laughs> and I hung up the phone, and I thought, you know, look, they'd already fired Warren, right? There's only a handful of us that even remember working with Warren left at the company. Right. And I wrote down the title of my book right then and there, White Haze. And I said, what would Warren do? Warren would write a book. And, you know, when you think of Warren's books, you know, Wine, Women, and Warren, lurching from one disaster to another, like <laughs> that, that is just the way the industry works. And I don't think we can take this stuff personally. Like, it's been a good ride. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that I, I'm still talking about Warren, right. like, yeah. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So nothing's going to disappoint me when it comes to the Warren Miller brand. I, I owe my entire career to the Warren Miller brand. And it is a very powerful brand. And I think people need to have perspective on what that means and, and really you know, saturate in the, in the power of what that brand's done for not only action sports, filming, uh, technique, graphics, yeah. music, sound effects, locations. Look, when Russia won at the Olympics, First American film crew into Russia, Warren Miller Films. China wanted the Olympics. First American fi- They went to Warren Miller. Mm-hmm. We were the first film crews in all these locations uh, because one, of the reputation of the company 
And two, they knew we would get it done. Right. And it would showcase to the world these locations. Uh, and nobody's been able to pull that off like Warren Miller Films. Yeah. I mean, you basically took all those components that, that you talked about and put them in a ski movie all way back when, and it literally changed the way that all of us consumed ski movies for a course of, what, 20-plus years. Oh, yeah. Longer. Yeah. Longer. Yeah. Longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. good. And that's what's cool is is it – and not taking anything away from the TGRs, the MSPs, the, you know, level ones. But I think the, the generations that Warren Miller has spanned. And like you said, probably most people remember going to see their first Warren Miller movie. And, you know, when, when twin tips came out, I think Warren Miller saw like a, a little downturn because of the, uh, yeah. the TGRs and the yeah. level ones were made, you yeah. know, port Johnny Cesare was making movies and it was like, all right, the Warren Miller movies aren't cool anymore, but they rode through it. And they were always sold out, no matter what. Even even in those years that it might not have been as cool. Yeah. Like, TGR movies did well, sure. But, like, Warren Miller sold out every single year. I mean, everyone that I went to in Boston, like, wherever it was, completely full. Yeah. And it worked both ways, right? Yep. TGR, Level 1, they all made Warren better. Yep. Stumpy made Warren Miller better. Like, Warren Miller had to change and had yeah. to adapt. Uh, every time these things happen. And, you know, the running joke for decades is, you know, uh, Warren Miller makes the best movie. Everybody else makes a bad Warren Miller movie. Right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I've been one of those producers that's made bad Warren Miller films. Yep. And, you know, it's hard to match. And I've tried to fill theaters. It's hard. Yeah. You know, uh, it's one thing to film, uh, fill uh, a bar, right? an entertainment venue. But fill a theater, the the Berkeley Performance Theater. Right. Uh, look, in five thousand people at the Avon in Connecticut in one night. Yeah. You know the the X Games are struggling to do that. You know, That's yeah. insane. You know, it, yeah. it's hard to get people to show up to anything. Yeah. And and you know when you see an event that has people show up, you're like, wow, like yeah. like this is this is this is something. Like people yeah. people are excited about this. I mean, just a bar nightclub. Stand up, whatever it yeah. is, to get anyone to show up is is almost. It feels like it's impossible. And so when you do go to those events, <laughs> and, and the theater is full of people to watch a ski movie, you're like, holy shit, this is really cool. Yeah, yeah I uh, I made a movie called uh, Ski Academy, um, and uh, you know when I went back and we're just none of my stuff's online, so we're putting it online. But uh, to see who's in there, you know, some of the early guys we talked about, Tenny. Yeah, you know. Uh, JPL Claire coming to Tenny Mount. Yeah. You know, that that's crazy. Yeah. Simon Dumont coming yep. to site. A 12-year-old Simon Dumont. Right. Yeah. So, Did you he know. had a run, huh? You, you know, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I mean, Simon's amazing, Insane. right? Yeah. What, what a career. What a run. Yeah, he's still alive. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of those guys. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. You know, so. Remember it, that, that red and white yeah. kit, that Oakley oh, kit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That was every, like that red Oakley, like what was like the the splice at the time. Yeah. yeah, I think he just wore that again. Did you see that? Yeah, he, he came, him and Tom Wallace yeah. came out with an edit wearing yeah. their kits from twelve years ago. Yeah. Was really, red. riding Park City, and they both still got it. That's man. sick. Oh, yeah, yeah, no <laughs> that's doubt. sick. No doubt. No. Simon's what? still four seven, but <laughs> is he really? Yeah, I've never met him. Oh, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I've not never, four, I've never he's met not him. not 4'7", but he's short. <laughs> I've never met him. Sorry, Simon. Like, well, it's, uh, Garrett wanted me to ask you about the, the Warren Miller two rat story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this well, is my favorite. Well, 
<laughs> Warren had a lot of, uh, you know, actually it was Don Berlin was Warren Miller's producer. And that's who you had. That was the gatekeeper for everything was Don Berlin. And he was a real filmmaker. You know, he, he would check like, you know, if you, shooting film, you have to remember that a film, a roll of film was three minutes long, three minutes. Hmm. And those guys had to change those out all the time in the cold, right? In a dart bag, you know, changing what they can't see everything in a, in a, so it didn't expose the film. Right. Uh, you know, I had cameraman doing that in the Arctic at 40 below. Jeez. Um, and the dreaded thing for any cameraman would be a hair in the gate. Yeah. And if you had a hair in the gate, if you had a hairy, hairy gate, Warren would take a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd get a copy of it. But the, 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 the other thing was uh, shooting in flat light. You know, uh, today's video cameras, you know, you can get away with it. But on film, you really couldn't yeah. get away if you didn't have trees, if you didn't have any contrast. And, uh, you know, the dreaded call on any, you know, remember, we, we're owning our own footage. We're, we need him to buy it. Yeah. Is you know, Dan, that that flat light looks like two white rats fucking in a snowstorm, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know that that those sort of calls, like you're like, oh shit, they're not going to use it, you know? It's great, great action, yeah. Nobody can see it, you know. And uh, well, I'm in day glow, nobody can see yeah. it. So yeah, it's it, but that was sort of the conversations oh, that happened so all good. the time. I mean, how, there's got to be a bunch more of those, like Warrenisms, if you will, right? I'll go all day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just. Uh, just so, so amazing with Warren. You know, I mean, he meets my parents, you know. Your boys remind me I'm never sure of how many lives I've ruined, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what Warren, my mom didn't talk to Warren for years because of some of his narration that he said about me, you know. Really? Dan's from a fam family of born-again atheists. I'm like, geez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought my mom was going to walk out of the theater, you know? So, like, that was such it. I'm like, oh. Warren, you're crushing me here, mate. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Yeah. It's so good. Well, you, uh, we, we have to talk about this because you traveled with him. Yes, Gary. So I need to, I need to hear a little bit about that, but the Finn boys <laughs> down in, what, what, where were you guys? Uh, You're in South America, right? Uh, what is it called? The uh, Feriones. Feriones. Yeah. And, and how old were you? Chilling with the stray dogs and <laughs> <laughs> living in a nightclub. <laughs> we'll have to dig up that segment's classic. <laughs> it's a really good one. 18 years old, going down with my brother Jack. He was like 15, older brother, 20. And uh, Dan and Colt, who uh, Colt was part of the team. And... Yeah. Uh, we had a we had a week. We got snowed in in um, this small village in Chile. And uh, what kind of punishment was that for you that you ended up going <laughs> down the there with, with, with the Finn family? <laughs> well, I mean, look, the Finns are legends, right? It's true. Around Loon Hall of Famers, there. Our own don't Hall get, of Famers. Don't give him that. <laughs> don't give him that. <laughs> his, his head just went. <laughs> it was already that big. <laughs> And you know, to, to what what were they thinking to let us take these kids out of the country? Right, they're already like a menace in their own town. Yeah, and then you know the the, the flip side of that, the the school that we Garrett went to and I worked for, the race team was there, and they were a little different than the free ride team. Yeah, like they had curfews and there was like 
Yeah, and we didn't have any of that, nor did I care to have any of that <laughs> <laughs> on my trip. So I was like, just, yeah, get don't, the planes in three days. <laughs> don't die. Yeah, just get, get back, to <laughs> Be the, back to the airport yeah, on this time. Yeah, I'm cool with it, boys. <laughs> and know? leave the dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't save any dogs. So, uh, you know, yeah, so that, that was a shock to the culture of the academy, I think, yeah. uh, to see the Finn boys in full display because there were three of them. Yeah. Uh, but you can find that on my YouTube. That's a great, uh, great, great segment. Beautiful snow. And, yep. of course, uh, that's the thing about South America. It can snow 12 feet yeah. in one week, you know, one couple days. Yeah, it snowed 12 feet. And uh, we couldn't go skiing because <laughs> the visibility was too bad. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. So like the, two white rats. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, man, I mean, that just that just – made more time for extracurriculars once we couldn't go skiing, yeah. you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had some explaining to do back uh, we, being uh, in charge. But. The hostel we were staying in was attached to the only nightclub in town. <laughs> and there was, like, a little lobby area where everybody would hang out after, after skiing. But uh, eventually it would turn into a nightclub. And when they – you knew it was turning into a nightclub because they'd start pushing the tables yeah. aside – and uh, every day, me and my brothers would take it on ourselves to just start pushing the <laughs> tables to the side. It's yeah. 11 in like, the morning. Boys, we, like, we clearing the tables? <laughs> it's time. It's time. Let's open this bitch up. How old was Jack at the time? Uh, like 15. Nice. Yeah. 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 But anything goes down there. And uh, Oh, my God. My mom signed a permission slip. Uh, right. You know? Yeah, right. And I'm responsible, so, it's so true. that works. It's true. Yeah. Oh, that's it's incredible. I, it's funny because I, I could just I could see the whole thing. Now that I've known you for a couple hours, I could see this whole thing fucking unfolding, especially with the Finn boys. Jesus. Oh, my God. Well, you know, anything in the spirit of ski bumming. Yeah, right? I yeah. mean, that, that's sort of one of the things that really is missing for me now, you know, and I, I think that that idea of, you know, starting the nightclub early or, you know, the frozen T-shirt contest, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, that's gone. And uh, it's hard for ski areas to hold the culture of what the what is the glue yep. of our industry. Um, and I, I think it's really, really important, you know, that 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 spirit of adventure is what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, less less and less events yeah. at resorts compared to when I mean when we were kids. I mean there was, and you brought up Les Auten earlier. I yeah. mean Les Auten when he was, you know, running American Ski Company. I mean there was, there was events every single weekend. You know, Absolutely. Bud Light did the whole Bud Light. That's you right. You know, Border Fest. Yeah. You know, ski across Big Air, half yeah. pipe every single weekend. Yeah. You know, and now I mean, maybe there's pond skim in the spring and yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and they don't even want to do that, really, right. you know. Right. And, and that, that, that's the thing is that spirit. You know, when, when the locals can't live at the base of the lifts, yep. when you can't squat in a, in a, con, in a yeah. condo anymore, uh, you know, we used to get by just knowing property managers because yeah. they had the keys. Right. You know, and that we always had a place to stay. Yeah. In all these different resorts, Whistler, Aspen, Vale. We just called the property managers because we partied with them. Right. And we'd have a place to stay. And that's how we skied with the gold medallions at Vale and, yeah. you know, got into the lodges and all that sort of stuff. Yep. They'll throw you in jail now. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not the same. Yeah. And and to me, that's, we, we can't take ourselves too seriously. Yep. You know, it's skiing. It's snowboarding. It should be fun. Um. And that's, that's the whole idea of this thing is fun. 
you know, look, I love all the new lifts. It's great. They're six packs, eight packs. But I don't want to talk to anybody in those lifts. I don't know who's on the lift with me. Yeah. I, I hurt my neck. Plus, I can't see around the helmets. And now they're wearing helmets and they're putting things over the helmets. Yeah. Like, I don't even get it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm in a wool cap, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I needed a helmet in the 80s. Like, what the hell? You give me a helmet now? An old guy. You know? And uh, it's just insane. Like, what do we... And now, now they have helmets and they listen to music. Like, yeah. okay, it's not enough to go skiing. Now I have to listen to music. And I asked somebody a question. They pushed their ear. I'm like, what the... And they're doing what are, <laughs> yeah i don't know what they're doing you know cleaning the wax out oh they're turning the music off right yeah. and we've lost we've lost that peach and i know and it sound like an old guy saying all that stuff but you know i, I was uh i was at killington and uh, i saw this kid i love when i see good skiing i i love it yeah i go dude you rip man he goes he goes dude i've been he goes old man he goes you rip I go, dude, how'd you know I'm old? He's like, you don't wear a helmet. Kid. And, I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, what? You know, that, that's a giveaway. I didn't yeah. know it, you know, but, uh, you know, but I, I will always go up when I see somebody do something, yeah. you know, whether it's in the park, in the bumps and the powder up on Lone Peak at Big Sky. Like yep. if I see good skiing, I'm going to call it out. It's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, I wish the resorts would show more of that. I'm over the POV. Like all you pros yeah. out there. Get rid of your PO. It sucks. It's I'm over it. It's not eye candy to me anymore. Yeah. It's boring. Yeah. You know, let's see some turns. Right. Um, and all I, I go on social media, it's all it's all POV. I, I you know, it's because they don't have film crews like you. Do. They don't have. Film, yeah, <laughs> they don't have film crews. Yeah. They have all the technology. Yeah. But the idea of technology is to enhance what we're doing. And. You know, Warren always said, look, your only job is to make the place better. Make it look better. Leave your mark. Yep. Don't, don't junk it up. Leave nice tracks. Yep. You know, uh, make, make them flow with the terrain. Yeah. Um, people used to think you had to be a great skier to get in a movie. You didn't. You had to be a good choreographer. You had to understand cameras. You had to understand frame. You had to understand sun, light, shadow. Yep. All that made for a good ski movie guy right? Or girl. Yep. But it wasn't, look, some of the best skiers I know never made it in the film because they couldn't do it. It was, it was its own thing. Yeah. You know, and these days I'm watching, you know, straight lining and just rush after rush after rush edited together with a bunch of POV. Like I've told all the current filmmakers, it's a boring edit. You're lazy at it. You have the best athletes. You've got the best sponsors. You've got helicopters. Spend some money on an edit. Yep. You know, learn the art of editing. Yep. Uh, it's not the same. Yep. Yeah. What What's your split as far as time goes? You said, you know, you've you've got skis on the east, skis in big sky, skis in Europe. What What's your winter look like? Yeah, fun. My winters <laughs> look like fun, man. It's, uh, it's full on for me. I kick off in uh, Zermatt. I run a camp over in Zermatt first week of December. Okay. Uh, we do two weeks there. Um, then I pop out the big sky for my early bird camp. Yep. Um, I come back East for my Warren Miller shows, uh, their annuals. People show up for years now yeah. and it's a lot of fun. Uh, then I'm back to big sky for some steep camps. Uh, I catch up with the famed Marcus Caston and yep. Engelberg and I get just, I'm in awe of what the dude can do on yeah. skis. Like he's in that sweet spot. Yep. He crushes it. Um, then I'm back to Big Sky. I've got some heli camps uh, up in AK in early March. Um, and then back to Europe yeah. and park it there till May. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, 
it's a fun winter, you know, and for me, I, I go where my community is. Uh, the skiing's great, but for me, the friendships and the relationships really, you know, at this stage of my career, it's where I want to be. I want to yep. be around people I know and people I like. And uh, I like to go back to the same spots. I, uh, it's better for me as a coach and a guide to know the spots uh, instead of having to learn new right. places. Uh, I feel like I deliver a better experience. Um, back in the day, you know, I was, you know, 13, 14 locations a year and learning, you know, I was 25 years in Chamonix with camps and all this sort of stuff. But now, you know, when I go to Valdezera, I have community. I've got, you know, my God kids there and my friends. And it's as much about going to the guide meeting and having coffee with my friends as much as the snow. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we we wrap, I I have to ask you this because it's been something that I've thought about since, like, I heard the story. You know, your Russian story is, is legendary, obviously, for lots of different reasons. Um, selfishly, I'm going to ask a selfish question. <laughs> it was uh, every part about that story is probably, you know, is, is a 30 minute talking point. But for me, one of the craziest parts of it, I mean, because it's still kind of like this mysterious thing is like the person that helped save you essentially like was KGB. Yeah. I mean, that part is just like, you know, when, when you throw it in at the end, you're like, really? Yeah. Like the guy was just following you guys around the whole time. Yeah. Just because of the time frame that you guys were there. Yeah. And just making sure that no Americans well, really like we can't have any Americans get injured or, or worse die. Yeah. Under, under what is happening in the world. I mean, that part of the story to me is like the craziest part. Yeah. Yeah. I because mean, like, like, you know, look at, you know, you get home, whatever you're, yeah. you're laying there and then you're like, wait a second, hold on a second. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me just like peel back whatever, what just happened to me. Yeah. The wildest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And then the whole time, literally there was, there was a KGB agent just like making sure I didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a twist of fate. And, you know, it's, it's something I don't talk a lot about because it's like hard to believe. Right. It's like people don't believe it. And uh, but again, going back to those times, look, when we were in Turkey during the per, per first Persian Gulf War, uh, the Turkish intelligence, they knew we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romania, same thing. Uh, Yugoslavia, same thing. So. You know, Russia, the first thing that happens to us when we, when we landed Moscow was that night at midnight, there were nine different languages on the trip. At midnight, your phone rang, and in your native tongue, are you okay? So weird. It's crazy, right? Crazy. So and that was it. They, no conversation. No conversation. Just, just click. Making sure you were there. M- making sure you're in the hotel uh, room. Yeah. They had our passports, everything, right? You get like goosebumps thinking about yeah. that. And it's like, that is so... Yeah, and yeah. how scary is that? They're taking your passport. Yeah, they take your passport. Which is crazy. Yeah. And I've been in situations where I've had to fight for my passport. Yeah. Um, with armed people. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's... Having lived through it, it's not a far stretch. And, uh, you know, the fact that Sasha, um, you know, who was just like an insane human, like six foot four, uh, he survived that entire storm without goggles. I gave him my goggles, and he went back up and saved other people. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing about how uh, the woman comes to my dad's office. Yeah, and, that's crazy. And, right. You know, fake number and address, and we can't track that person down. Um, so, it, you know, and when I went, when I snuck into Beirut in the mid-'90s, uh, you know, the joke was that, you know, the CIA was watching Warren Miller films. Like, what's going on here, <laughs> you know? Um, 
And, and so, yeah, it's a strange twist and I, I can't find Sasha. Yeah. Um, I've had one guy come up to me at my office up North in New Hampshire. He, the guy had just come back from an expedition in Russia. He goes, I met a guide. And, uh, he said he only knew one American, Dan Egan. It was a strong, he said, you were the strongest guy he'd ever met. I was like, wow. Damn. And he did, but he didn't have any Sasha's contacts. Yeah. And I, I've seen a guy on LinkedIn I thought was Sasha, but he didn't respond. Yeah. Um, that's like, that's also like the common nickname, which I never knew until right. I went to Russia with Hattrip. Yeah. And all the, all the guys are calling each other Sasha. Sasha. Yeah. So yeah. I was like. Yeah. Is it even that, a name? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But d had you noticed that he was around like when you were in Moscow and stuff like that, or you didn't put it together until afterwards? Like, okay, this guy was actually, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, he was around the whole time. He was around the group. He was in the back. He was lurking. He's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember him in the refuge okay. where we were acclimatizing. Um, but he must have been somewhere near there. Yeah. Um, and, and the other fact that all the other Russians were ethnic. Um, they, were, they, were, they didn't have blue eyes. They didn't have blonde hair. He did. Um, and then the real thing is that he found me in my snow cave. That's crazy. Um, that he he must have taken a head count in the other caves. The only thing I can imagine he did. Yeah. And said, oh, one's missing. And he mm. went out to find me. Um, and there was others that didn't make it, right? In yeah. their snow caves. Yeah. 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 My, my friend died. Like my, he was alone like me in a snow cave. He died in his cave. Um, and 11 died. But that's a conservative yep. number um, because we can't prove the other number. But right. We always, I always used a much bigger number. Um, but for the book, we tried to be, you know, we went back and we, we found all the old articles. Uh, there weren't many of them, uh, but we found them in French and that, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and they confirmed. The, the biggest thing about the Elbrus disaster was in my mind, you just, over time, you think you're crazy. Yeah. That's what trauma does, right? Because like nobody else experienced it. So I have nothing to bounce it off of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine 30, it's been over 30 years. John and I have never talked about it. Well, I was, I was hmm. saying that to Eric hmm. earlier, like I have grown up around skiing and worked in the ski industry my entire professional career. And like, I had never heard of it yeah. until you were on Powell's podcast oh, and right. talked about it. Yeah. And then he had mentioned there's, there's stuff in the book. So the, those of you guys who don't know what we're talking about, obviously you can, can read Dan's book. I assume it's all in there. It's all in there. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that must have been brushed under the rug. Well, what, what happened, it's all about dollars. Right. So um, the fact that no American died and the sponsor, Degree 7, threatened to pull all advertising if anybody wrote about it. Okay. So all of Ski Magazine powder, they were all threatened with loss of ads. And they, didn't, they dropped all the stories. Got it. The only story that was going to come out was the National Enquirer. And they, they wanted to do a story. But when they, they cut it because I didn't see a dead body. Got it. And so they, and they, they were going to pay me. I wanted that thing to happen. But they pulled the story. Yep. Um, and at one of my live shows, the sponsor showed up and sat in the front row. And I, show, I told the whole story. And people were gripped. But they walked out. Really? Um, and uh, canceled our contract. Wow. And, and so, yeah, they, they, they did not want to be around it. And the other thing, you know, degree seven, Patrick Valensand is the godfather of extreme skiing. So 
he couldn't, he was passed. We were celebrating him on that trip. Okay. But they couldn't have a disaster tied with that, you know, Pat Valentine. Yeah. So the Chamonix guides wanted it crushed. Um, you know, when I've been in Chamonix and young guides will sort me, search me out and go, hey, you were the guy on that trip. Tell me about what happened. Tell, tell me about how the Chamonix guides were. Right. Uh, because wasn't, and they know the names of the Chamonix guides. They've heard the stories, but only from one angle. Got it. And so it has been this sort of, un, and that's why, you know, I've carried it for 30 years. I bet. This is why I wrote about it yeah. and, and, and needed to get it out because it changed my life. Um, my, the reason why I didn't tell it earlier in a book form was I didn't want that to be the end of my story. It's, it's shaped my whole career. It's the beginning of my story. Yeah. And I wanted to more tell the story from the fact of what happens after a traumatic event. Because as you know, we've lost so many friends. Yep. You know, JP and countless others and Shane. And this untreated trauma is vibrating through the industry in the extreme sports world. Yep. Uh, my next project, Dying to Ski, is a collective of all 30-plus people that we know that have died. Mm. And it's all told through the point of view of the wives, girlfriends, and kids. Mm -hmm. And it's an important story. Yeah. You know, uh, we're talking about Warren Miller. We're talking about skiing. We're talking about fun, family activities, things that change your life. You guys all work in the industry. We all work in the industry. This has been our lifestyle. So ski, sport is designed to enhance our lives, not end it. Right. And here we have generations of kids, of which I'm part of, ending their lives. Through sport, yep. through this word, which people protect, progression. And that is killing people. I'm not anti-X Games. I'm not anti-triple flips, grabs, all the stuff that the Finn brothers did and all that stuff. I'm not anti that. Jack. But what I'm saying is, what are we doing when they get hurt? Right. You know, yeah, we have the High Five Foundation. Foundations for hurt athletes. Right. Is that the solution? Maybe. It's nice. It's great. Yep. I, you know, they're friends of mine. Yep. But what are we doing prior to that? How are we educating and what are we doing about the sport so that that's not happening? And at the same time, the age is getting younger. Yeah. We all know it. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, it's no longer 16 in the X Games. It's 14. Right. So, you know, and they're looking for contracts. Look, their career's over at 6, 17, 18. Yep. You know. Yep. So what are we doing as a collective industry? to continue to sell the generational ties of our sport. And I think part of that is healing through this project that I'm going to do because we have uh, trauma doctors and experts in the field addressing it. Look, if we were the NFL, we'd have a union. Right. We'd, you know, we could claim concussions and all. We don't. Yep. So you know, Red Bull's only response is, and it's a good one, is to have a, an academy to educate, to train, and to make lifelong athletes. Well, that's good. I'm for that. But they know why. Yep. Why are they doing it? They know. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, that sounds like a really pretty sweet project. Yeah, it's going to be intense. Yeah, it's going to be really intense. Yeah. Especially right. because I don't think, I mean, no one's really touched that at all. Yeah. Just and, in different Oh, yeah, places. and yeah. putting it all together. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to be he pretty heavy. It's going. Yeah, it's going to be heavy. So in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. You know, you have to get through that stuff yeah. with a message, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the message is just that. It's a generational sport. You know, we need to do it. We, we don't judge. I don't judge Doug. 
Shane. I don't judge these guys. They were doing what I, I've made those things. I've made those decisions. I'm lucky. I'm alive. Yeah. But I've been there. I'm not smarter. I might, I might be lucky. Mm-hmm. But what do we take away from it? You know, what, what do we think about the last trick of the day, the last run of the day? You know, how do we approach it? Is it going to enhance my life? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I'm heli skiing, and I, I get it every year. Hey, I want to jump the cliff. I, yeah, jump the cliff. You want a great moment or a great week? It's up to you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's funny because we just had that in Jackson. Yeah. It, yeah. The, it, was the last, it was the last day of the whole trip. We had a great trip. Yeah. You know, we're in the back country. There's a, there's a Wouldn't huge. Wouldn't happen if you were there, Dan. There's a huge <laughs> cliff, you know, and it's like, is this going to enhance your life, Garrett? Or is yeah. it going to make it worse? Yeah. No, no, it's going to enhance it. Oh, well, now your foot's broken. Time Send to- it. <laughs> Send it. And yeah. it wasn't huge. It was pretty small. <laughs> it was small. But there's yeah. only one choice, right, yeah. Garrett? Yeah. Point them. <laughs> so when when does that project launch or, or come out? Or Yeah, we're, we're starting now. Yeah. I, I think we're a couple of years away. Uh, it's yep. a big project. Oh, I yeah. have all the, I've got all the athletes. Um, and it's going to be a... a a living memorial online where more people unfortunately be added, but it plays for all the foundations Yep, and people can hopefully help through those foundations. Uh, it's going to be a film plus a book plus the online piece. Um, and, uh, I'm my current project, which is about racism in football, soccer. Um, which is crazy. I'm a big soccer fan. Okay. Yeah. So, So, so the, the European racism, out of hand. It's 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 like wild. It's crazy. It's wild. And like yeah. it gets filtered by the time it gets to the US because we're occupied with other sports here. I mean, soccer is obviously growing and yeah. Leo Messi's coming. So Yeah, he's coming, dude. He's coming. But, but so but I I'm a, I follow European soccer nice. a lot. So it's like it's wild because you hear the stories and you, and you and you read them all online but like nobody here talks about it. Right. And it's it's because int- if, if any of those things happened here like one of the event, it would be like it would be it would be all over the television. Yep. But it just happened again. Yeah. Did, did you hear about the the tournament? Mm-hmm. So the West Ham team, mm-hmm. somebody used the N word, and they had to kick out the Dallas team, and the West Ham team went home. Um, well, yeah. so we're interviewing uh, Saka and the three players that missed the penalties. Oh, Marcus Rashford. Yeah. And for the new project. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and the main story is Clyde Best who is the first black superstar of the English first division Yeah, uh, in the 70s. And through that, all the way to the Miss PKs in 2020. So yeah. uh, it's an imp- that's also a big story and a big, big do, important project. Do you guys know about the Miss PKs at, at the European Championships? Mm-mm. Okay, so it was England's in the final, and it goes to penalties, yep. and three of their biggest stars in the whole country, they, they, they missed down the stretch. They yep. missed the penalty kicks, and it was just like full-blown Twitter, you know, Instagram, everything, the, you, you name it, just racism attacked against those players yeah. because they missed the, yeah. the penalty kicks down the stretch to, it, to lose the European right. championship. Yeah, I mean, it was brutal, too. Like, that, that caused a whole social media blackout yeah. and all this. So, you know, this idea that uh, it, it's crazy racism, you know, and we, we're here in Boston, so, like, we can't ignore it. Yeah. Um, and all, most of us, we all grew up here, right? So, you know, I grew up, West Roxbury, South Boston, like Dorchester, like it's ingrained. And uh, this is an important project. I'm really excited about it. And right after that, we're ready to go for Not With Dying to Ski. So, um, you know, these projects. Those are two pretty heavy projects back to back. Big projects, you know. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, and, you know, 
White, 30 years in White Hayes, from the time the kid fired me, the intern, uh, <laughs> to the time of publishing, you know, that, that was a six-year journey. Oh, wow. Um, finally, Eric Wilbur got involved, and, you know, he, the man, like, he's an amazing writer and really put the whole project over the top. Uh, so Transforming the Beautiful Game will be out in another 12 to 18 months, and then we're, we'll be into Dying to Ski. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, these are our friends. Yep. Um, so their stories are important to us and, and to the world, and they need to be honored in a way that, uh, you know, the, 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 the hero's journey, the mythical journey, which we're all sort of on, uh, you know, when people do what they say they're going to do and die, pass, it's heroic. And that's mythical. Yep. And so to put that, to put on that lens and take a look at our heroes that were brave enough to follow through with what they said they were going to do, regardless of the outcome, yep. is going to be an amazing story. It yeah. is. Well, Dan, thanks, man. Hey, you guys are this is great. Great. Love this, it. This is e been, Monster. This has been great. Um, appreciate you coming, coming through. And uh, yeah, we covered a lot of good stuff today. No, I appreciate you guys. This is great. We all got to go skiing. Absolutely. Heli trip, March 2nd through 9. You ready to go? Yeah. We're in. Go. Yep. Okay. Well, you, you, there, you got your credit card? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be, yeah. you're going to be hurt. So. <laughs> well, we had, we had a heli trip this year that was, that was, uh, that was on the books and um, kind of last, well, not really last minute, a couple months and in, in before we were supposed to go, we, there was an injury to one of the party, not Garrett. Uh, and so it got canceled. Got canceled. Not naming names. Ryan McBride ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get on it. Let's get on it. All right. Thanks, Dan. Peace, y'all. Later.